welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wayne Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all your brothers and sisters in spirit. And every time we let our loving energy dominate our lives and lead our thoughts and actions, we illumine the earth with the divine light of our mighty I Am Presence. And that divine light is a transformative power, not only for the individual, but for all humanity. Because that divine light is the power of the living God within us. But every time we allow negative and hateful energies to dominate our thoughts and actions, we relinquish our divine power to the forces of darkness and those destructive repercussions in this very moment can be seen and felt all around us. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. If you live a religion that's noble, that's godlike and true, a religion the grandest that men or that angels can then live, live the truth of the brother who taught you, it's love to God, service, and love to the fellowman. Social problems are to be among the greatest problem of the generation just moving on to the stage of action. They, above all others, will claim the attention of mankind, as they are already claiming it across the waters even as at home. The attitude of the two classes toward each other, or the separation of the classes, will be by far the chief problem of them all. Already it is imperatively demanding a solution. Gradually, as the years have passed, this separation has been going on, but never so rapidly as of late. Each has come to regard the other as an enemy, with no interest in common, but rather that what is for the interests of the one must necessarily be to the detriment of the other. The great masses of the people, the working classes, those who as much, if not more than many others ought to be there, are not in our churches today. They already feel that they are not wanted there, and that the church even is getting to be their enemy. There must be a reason for this, for it is impossible to have an effect without its preceding cause. It is indeed time to awaken to these facts and conditions, for they must be squarely met. A solution is imperatively demanded, and the sooner it comes, the better, for, if allowed to continue thus, all will come back to be paid for, intensified a thousandfold, a, to be paid for even by many innocent ones. Let this great principle of service, helpfulness, love, and self-devotion to the interests of one's fellow men be made the fundamental principle of all lives and see how simplified these great and all-important questions will become. Indeed, they will almost solve themselves. It is the man all for self, so small and so short-sighted that he can't get beyond his own selfish interests, that has done more to bring about this state of affairs than all other causes combined. 
let the cause be removed, and then note the results. The truth will at once be recognized by all that the good of the whole depends upon the good of each, and the good of each makes the good of the whole. Attend, then, to the individual, and the whole will take care of itself. Let each individual work in harmony with every other, and harmony will pervade the whole. The old theory of competition that in order to have great advancement, great progress, we must have great competition to induce it, is as false as it is savage and detrimental in its nature. We are just reaching that point where the larger men and women are beginning to see its falsity. They are recognizing the fact that, not competition, but cooperation, reciprocity, is the great, the true power, to climb, not by attempting to drag, to keep down one's fellows, but by aiding them, and being in turn aided by them, thus combining, and so multiplying the power of all, instead of wasting a large part one against the other. Each is but a part, a member, of the great civil body, and no member, let alone the entire body, can be perfectly well, perfectly at ease, when any other part is in disease. No one part of the community, no one part of the nation, can stand alone, all are dependent, interdependent. This is the uniform teaching of history from the remotest times in the past right through to the present. Not until this all-powerful principle is fully recognized, and is built upon so thoroughly that the brotherhood principle, the principle of oneness can enter in, and each one recognizes the fact that his own interests and welfare depend upon the interests, the welfare of each and therefore of all, that each is but a part of the one great whole, and each one stands shoulder to shoulder in the advance forward, can we hope for any true solution of the great social problems before us, for any permanent elevation of the standard in our national social life and welfare. Very truly has it been said that the greatest thing a man can do for God is to be kind to some of his other children. All children of the same father, therefore all brothers, sisters. Man is next to God. Man is God incarnate. Humanity, therefore, cannot be very far from being next to godliness. We will find that this mighty principle of love and service is the greatest to live by in this life, and also one of the gates whereby all who would, must enter the kingdom of heaven. What All the World's A Seeking, by Ralph Waldo Trine, 1896 Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 5 In the revelation of Ioannes Theologos it is said, I turned and saw in the midst of the seven candlesticks one like unto the Son of Man, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, I, 13, 14, 25. John here repeats, as is well known, the words of Daniel and Ezekiel. The Ancient of Days, whose hair was white as pure wool, etc. And the appearance of a man, above the throne, and the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about. The fire being the glory of the Lord. Fetahil is the son of the man, the third life, and his upper part is represented as white as snow, while standing near the throne of the living fire he has the appearance of a flame. All these apocalyptic visions are based on the description of the white head of the Sohar, in whom the Kabbalistic trinity is united. The white head, which conceals in its cranium the spirit, and which is environed by subtle fire, the appearance of a man is that of Adam Codman, through which passes the thread of light represented by the fire. Fetahil is the Vir Novissimus, the newest man, the son of a botter, the latter being the man, or the third life, 
now the third personage of the Trinity. John sees one like unto the Son of Man, holding in his right hand seven stars, and standing between seven golden candlesticks, Revelation 1. Fetahil takes his stand on high, according to the will of his Father, the highest Eon who has seven scepters and seven genii, who astronomically represent the seven planets or stars. He stands shining in the garment of the Lords, resplendent by the agency of the genii. He is the son of his father, life, and his mother, spirit, or light. The Logos is represented in the Gospel according to John as one in whom was life, and the life was the light of men, 1-4. Fetahil is the Demiurge, and his father created the visible universe of matter through him. In the Epistle of Paul to the Ephesians, 3, 9, God is said to have created all things by Jesus. In the Codex the parent life says, Arise, go, our Son first begotten, ordained for all creatures. As the living Father hath sent me, says Christ, God sent his only begotten Son that we might live. Finally, having performed his work on earth, Betahil reascends to his father Abadar. At key, relicto came procreated mundo, Adabadar suum patrem contended, my father sent me, I go to the father, repeats Jesus. H.P. Blavatsky Laying aside the theological disputes of Christianity which try to blend together the Jewish creator of the first chapter of Genesis with the father of the New Testament, Jesus states repeatedly of his father that he is in secret. Surely, he would not have so termed the ever-present Lord God of the Mosaic books, who showed himself to Moses and the patriarchs, and finally allowed all the elders of Israel to look on himself. When Jesus is made to speak of the temple at Jerusalem as of his father's house, he does not mean the physical building, which he maintains he can destroy and then again rebuild in three days, but of the temple of Solomon, the wise capitalist, who indicates in his Proverbs that every man is the temple of God, or of his own divine spirit. This term of the Father who is in secret, we find used as much as in the Kabbalah as in the Codex Nazareus, and elsewhere. No one has ever seen the wisdom concealed in the cranium, and no one has beheld the depth, Bithos. Simon, the magician, preached one father unknown to all. We can trace this appellation of a secret God still farther back. In the Kabbalah the son of the concealed father who dwells in light and glory, is the anointed, the Seir Ampin, who unites in himself all the Sephiroth, he is Christos, or the heavenly man. It is through Christ that the Numa, or the Holy Ghost, creates all things, Ephesians 3, 9, and produces the four elements, air, water, fire, and earth. This assertion is unquestionable, for we find Irenaeus basing on this fact his best argument for the necessity of there being four Gospels. There can be neither more nor fewer than four, he argues. For as there are four quarters of the world, and four general winds, Kaplathin Mata, it is right that she, the Church, should have four pillars. From which it is manifest that the Word, the Maker of all, he who sitteth upon the cherubim, as David says, supplicating his advent, thou that sittest between the cherubim, shine forth. For the cherubim also are four-faced and their faces are symbols of the working of the Son of God. We will not stop to discuss at length the special holiness of the four-faced cherubim, although we might, perhaps, show their origin in all the ancient pagodas of India, in the viands or vehicles, of their chief gods, as likewise we might easily attribute the respect paid to them to the Kabbalistic wisdom, which, nevertheless, the Church rejects with great horror. But we cannot resist the temptation to remind the reader that he may easily ascertain the several significances attributed to these cherubs by reading the Kabbalah. When the souls are to leave their abode, says the Sohar, 
Holding to the doctrine of the pre-existence of souls in the world of emanations, each soul separately appears before the Holy King, dressed in a sublime form, with the features in which it is to appear in this world. It is from this sublime form that the image proceeds, Sohar, 3, page 104 Ab, then it goes on to say that the types or forms of these faces are four in number, those of the angel or man, of the lion, the bull, and the eagle. Furthermore, we may well express our wonder that Irenaeus should not have reinforced his arguments for the four Gospels, by citing the whole pantheon of the four armed Hindu gods. Ezekiel in representing his four animals, now called cherubim, as types of the four symbolical beings, which, in his vision support the throne of Jehovah, had not far to go for his models. The Chaldeo-Babylonian protecting genii were familiar to him, the said, Alap or Kirib, cherubim, the bull, with the human face, the Nurgle, human-headed lion, Astor the Sphinx man, and the Nathka, with its eagle's head. The religion of the masters, the idolatrous Babylonians and Assyrians, was transferred almost bodily into the revealed scripture of the captives, and from thence came into Christianity. H.P. Blavatsky Beloved ones, century after century after century I have taken away and consumed mankind's frightful creations, and I assure you, the angelic host who direct the activities of the sacred fire have rendered that service throughout the ages, ever since mankind turned from the light. Now it must come in full force, the cosmic concentration of it into this nation, and quickly, to consume enough of the evil intended to prevent the concentration of the energy into the mass feeling of the people, to make them do that which will but destroy everything. So blessed ones, we are using you tonight to the fullest possible extent. But we will give you in return, if you will give us this cooperation and assistance, we will give you in return the activities of the sacred fire for eternity. And the blessings that that will bring to you before your ascension will be sustained, continuous, and forever expanding. And there isn't anything it can't accomplish. There isn't anything on this earth that can't be controlled by the sacred fire from the great great silence, projected by the ascended masters, the cosmic beings, and the angelic host who are the authority and are the law of its use in this physical world. We want you to have every possible assistance at this time. So it doesn't make any difference what anybody does or doesn't do. Be unconcerned, and don't let one bit of discord be created to endanger your land, I plead with you tonight, for I will give you a gift that will strengthen you, protect you against the misuse of anything in the physical world, if you will but give me this cooperation. And I assure you, the crisis is at hand, is the reason I am asking it. And I come to offer that in its place which will free all for eternity, and it's the only thing that will. Applause. Thank you so much. The beloved Master Jesus came and gave the tremendous sacred fire of His love. He rendered that tremendous service. He's been rendering it continuously since, and mankind will not stop the discord. So now we must draw its cosmic concentration and consume the discord. To those who are constructive, give obedience to this law, and set it into action, there isn't a thing of discord that will touch you. And to those who defy it, must of necessity, be bound by their own creation. And it will take them out of this world. Beloved Archangel Michael The 
Beloved ones, if you ask for the visible, tangible, manifestations of the sacred fire into the physical octave of earth that we know are necessary to come here now, and consume one focus after another of destructive activities that sustain the sinister force, that will give us another opening by which we can establish at certain places, from the inner activity, whatever sacred fire purification is necessary to consume the destructive etheric records, to consume the accumulated energy that destructive forces have gathered. This is very important in the control of the emotional bodies of those within your borders who are determined to release violence. And the sacred fire manifestations can shock and surprise many, many, many of those people. And I assure you, sometimes, if it were not so serious, you couldn't help but smile at the fear it produces in those who are determined not to do right. So if we have to use some within the borders, in order to control the violence, it's all possible under the action of the cosmic law, and I assure you, it will get results. Applause, thank you so much. I assure you, the mental and feeling world of every individual can be changed by the manifestations of the sacred fire, and there isn't an exception on the earth anywhere. So tonight, I give you unlimited opportunity to cooperate with us. And after the centuries we have spent consuming mankind's frightful creation, you have no idea how grateful we are for this many people, even just in this room, who understand this law and whom we can use in this way, and at the same time free you as you render this service for the nation. So, there is no such thing as ingratitude in the cosmic law. That does not exist. You are privileged to be enfolded if you will do this, in the unlimited power of the sacred fire manifestations that forever change mankind's attention and determination to serve evil. It is all-powerful. It is everywhere in existence. It doesn't have to come from here or there or somewhere else. We can send it forth from great central sources, but it is already in the atmosphere of Earth, and we can concentrate that in a moment. As our visible, tangible presence steps through, we are it. We are the sacred fire. So, when you call forth the sacred fire manifestations that shock mankind awake and out of the clutches of the sinister force, there are going to be some surprises, and I hope they come soon enough to prevent the hordes of evil doing any more damage to life anywhere. Beloved Archangel Michael, 